Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Kate Howells will join us to discuss space as cool as F. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Back to the Grox Science Show. Well, we all know space is cool, but just how cool is it? Well, joining us today is Ms. Kate Howells. Ms. Howells is Global Community Outreach Manager of the Planetary Society. Together with other authors, she has penned the book, Space is Cool as F, for a general audience, which uh, brings together some interesting art and science for a general audience to talk about space. And uh, Ms. Howells, very pleased to have you today on the Grox Science Show. Thank you for having me. Certainly a very interesting book, Space as Cool as F. Of course, the expletive is being deleted here. It makes it a little difficult <laughs> to discuss on the radio, but I certainly agree with the title of the book. But how did you come up with this title? So it was actually my publisher's idea. He said, Kate, I have a great idea for you to write this book about space. We're going to use the F word on the cover and that magic of swearing is going to draw in all kinds of audiences. And uh, we took it from there and he was right. Uh, the The sort of uh, appeal of the scandalous title has, I think, definitely caught people's attention. And that's the whole idea is you sort of trick people into learning about science by uh, swearing. Well, what would hope we wouldn't have to trick people into learning about science? You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, the, the cover of the book is certainly striking. It's a black cover. It has the, the words starkly written, space is cool as F. You really do go into a number of different areas in, about space and science. How did you uh, come choosing these topics? How did you get the group of authors together to put together this book? So I have just been a bit of a space fanatic since I first read Carl Sagan's Cosmos when I was an undergrad. Um, and since then, I mean, I have a, a arts background um, rather than science, but I got involved in science policy and science communication, science education, and was hired by the Planetary Society. And uh, so that's a nonprofit that does public education and advocacy around space science and space exploration. And basically, once I started really immersing myself in the world of space, I started learning all kinds of cool things and sort of just kept a mental note of all the things that I thought were the most interesting. And, you know, I would find myself uh, get togethers with friends, uh, you know, cocktail parties and that kind of thing, uh, talking to people about the things that I thought were coolest about space. And, uh, you know, the community that I sort of socialize in is more of an arts community. So people were often, you know, unfamiliar with these, with these topics. So, but I really found that people resonated with with this stuff. So when when my friend and publisher suggested this book, it seemed like a great fit because it was just an opportunity to really pour out all of this enthusiasm that I have for these topics. Um, so I we kind of drafted a list of things that I thought were really cool and that he also thought were cool and did some research to kind of um, beef up my knowledge um, and yeah, got to writing. And then I really wanted to emphasize to readers that you don't have to be 
a space expert to be curious and interested and learn about these things. So I asked a few friends who also are not scientists but are interested in science to write guest pieces about something that they found particularly interesting. Um, so that's where the and friends in the title comes in. Um, and then, yeah, we drew on a, a bunch of really talented artists to provide the illustrations and artwork for the book, which also really just helps to convey the awesomeness of space and science. And yeah, it wound up being just a great collaborative effort of a bunch of enthusiasts pooling our uh, enthusiasm together. It really is a great book to breeze through. I mean, certainly you don't have to go through it in any kind of order. And, mm -hmm. you know, each each section sort of starts out with a, a little bit about the area, which is under discussion. Then you have a number of really great images. And was there any sort of guiding principle in terms of how you put these art pieces together? Uh, we actually hired an art director to pull everything together. So she really um, knocked it out of the park. She We gave her sort of a, a creative brief on, you know, what kind of feelings we wanted to evoke and what kind of ideas we wanted to convey through the artwork. And she knew a ton of really talented artists. I have, I'm lucky enough to have some really talented artist friends as well. So I sort of put them in touch. And for each um, chapter we, we wrote, I guess I wrote, but with some help from the publishers as well, just sort of basically what we would hope that the artwork would convey, but then really wanted to leave room for creativity. So some of these are original pieces made for the book. Others are work that artists had done previously, but that just really fit, fit very well with what we were talking about in the content. And yeah, we tried not to be too specific about what we wanted because we wanted to leave room for creativity. And I think it, it worked out really well. Uh, well, the, the incendiary titles don't stop with the, the cover of the book. They certainly go into the subchapters as well. Mm -hmm, I, yes. I, I like uh, Holy S. There are a lot of exoplanets out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Were any of these uh, particularly uh, your favorites that you really like? Any areas where you didn't know much about before you wrote the book and then learned a lot while you were writing the book? Yeah. One of, I guess, a couple of my favorites are actually, yeah, the exoplanet one that you mentioned, I, I think is fascinating. I mean, I, the more I learn about exoplanets, I mean, the more exoplanets that are discovered, uh, the happier I am because it's just really opening our eyes to what is out there and the, the potential for learning more about the exoplanets that we already know about is so tantalizing. The idea that we might be able to detect signs of life somewhere beyond our solar system, that's just so exciting. So sort of the imagination um, the, that, that can go along with the, the facts of, around exoplanets is really great. So that was a really fun one to write. I also love writing about the moons of our solar system. That's one of my favorite topics because it's something that is right in our backyard, but that many people don't know about. So Europa and Io and Titans, all of those, I mean, I just find so fascinating. So that was really fun to write about. Um, and then, yeah, there were definitely topics that were a bit challenging. I think the, the hardest one to write about was dark matter and dark energy, because I have only a tenuous grasp on those topics myself. So trying to really wrap my head around these, like, these complex ideas and then and then convey what I understood in a way that would be clear it was really challenging. I don't know whether I succeeded, but I did my best. And I think, I mean, one of the things I try to convey throughout the book is 
that you don't have to be intimidated by difficult topics and that just following your curiosity and, and exploring an idea is rewarding on its own, even if you don't wind up totally getting it. And even if you just wind up being in awe of how complicated something is. So even the, even the bits of the book that were challenging were, um, were, were fun to, to learn about, to dive into. Reading it is lucid and certainly conveys the enthusiasm too. So I think that was a great combination of both. So having gone through all of these different topics, all the different areas, what, what do you feel are frontiers of, of space exploration, space science are currently out there? Well, I am biased because I have been much more immersed in planetary science than in, say, astrophysics or cosmology. So I don't really know what the frontiers of star science are right now. But in terms of planetary science, I really think the search for life is what's coming, you know, what's next. I think it's so likely that we'll detect some kind of sign of life beyond Earth, whether it's in our own solar system somewhere like, you know, underground on Mars or in the oceans of Europa or somewhere unexpected. That's possible, but I think really exoplanets are so promising for the possibility of finding signs of life. You know, if we can detect particular gases in an atmosphere that are likely to be have been produced by organic life. I mean, that that kind of thing is conceivable and could happen within our lifetimes. And I think that that's one of the most exciting prospects for space exploration and space science. But I am definitely overlooking whole fields that I just don't know enough about. Again, this is a really great book for getting people interested in space. As we mentioned, you're a Global Community Outreach Manager of the Planetary Society. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about your work with the Planetary Society and the outreach that's involved. Mm-hmm. So our whole model is to try to meet people where they are and up their engagement. So we reach out to very broad audiences, trying to get people who don't normally read about space or science. So kind of similarly to what I was doing with the book, um, really trying to, to ignite some kind of curiosity in people. And then we feed that more and more. We put out great blogs. We have a radio show and podcast. We make videos. We do public events. We really try to present the newest discoveries in, in space science and exploration in ways that are exciting and fun and engaging to kind of hook people in. And then we try to translate that interest into public support for space programs. So NASA, the Canadian Space Agency, any government-run space program depends on public funding, which is deeply tied to political support. So if your government officials don't see the the value of a space program, that space program is going to be underfunded and it's not going to have the money to go out and make discoveries so that we can write more books about cool things happening in space. We need public money to be able to make these discoveries. So the Planetary Society tries to channel public interest, stimulate public interest, and then channel that into funding for space programs. So we advocate in the U.S. and in Canada, and then a little bit internationally, but most of our work is in North America, trying to make sure that elected officials know that their constituents believe that space science and exploration are worth funding. So we're trying to get that political support. Certainly, space exploration is no longer just solely almost U.S. endeavor. How do you think the U.S. is faring compared with other countries in terms of either government support or public support for it? The U.S. is the number one supporter of space exploration, hands down. I mean, other countries are are increasing their activity, which is fantastic. The U.S. budget is just so much higher. It's bigger. I mean, last I checked, it was bigger than every other 
space budget combined. So NASA really has a lot more to work with and are doing such incredible things with exploration. I mean, we, we at the Planetary Society get critical sometimes when the U.S. starts to falter a little bit and lag behind its own legacy, but still it's the leader of the world in space exploration. So we do want to keep that going. We also want to encourage other countries to step up their games. I, I'm Canadian. I live in Canada. I do advocacy with the Canadian government. And we're working really hard here to get Canada to commit more money to participating in exploration. Oftentimes that involves um, contributing instruments to NASA-led missions. And a lot of what NASA is planning for the future of exploration is internationally collaborative like that, which is fantastic because when countries pool their resources, they can accomplish a lot more. I mean, it doesn't have to be a space race anymore. So um, working together is, is really in everyone's best interest. And especially now that private companies are getting more involved in space exploration and, and um, space flight overall, I think that it's increasingly promising that we're going to be able to do a lot more in the future than we've been able to do in the past. Just thinking about SpaceX's reusable rockets and, you know, what that could mean for exploration, it's, it's really encouraging I mean, it's really not just a government enterprise, private enterprise involved. It would be great if, you know, Roddenberry's dreams were fulfilled and this could be something that unites all. Indeed. Yeah, there's, I've heard people say that, you know, what, what the world needs to, to achieve world peace is a, a common enemy. So if there were some alien threat, maybe that would bring us all together. But hopefully that's not what it takes. Maybe to close, since we're running a lot of time, you have some final words regarding the book and Planetary Society itself. Yeah, um, well, I'd encourage everybody listening to check both the book and the Planetary Society out. Um, you can go to planetary.org to learn more about the society and what we do. Um, I encourage people to join us as members if you're interested in supporting space exploration or at the very least just kind of sign up for our mailing list, see what we are all about. And um, for the book, yeah, check it out. It's, it's available to buy in bookstores um, throughout North America and Australia and uh, you can buy it online as well. Um, most places in the world uh, it'll ship to. And I know it's, it's uh, available for pretty quick shipping uh, throughout North America and Europe and Australia. And generally, I mean, the listeners of your podcast probably already know this, but I really encourage everyone to pursue their curiosity. Anything that you think is interesting, just look it up. We have the internet now. There's information freely accessible to everybody. And there's nothing like going down a good Wikipedia whole. So uh, I encourage anybody who's interested in space to pick up Space is Cool as F and see what kind of topics spark your curiosity and then go read about them more. All right. Well, we we're just talking with Ms. Kate Howells. She is the Global Community Outreach Manager of the Planetary Society, also the author of Space is Cool as F. And Ms. Howells, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you for having me. It was great chatting. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.